Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's always uh, an honor and a privilege to to obey God and minister the word, and especially here because there's such a... Um, a flow of faith and a draw on the anointing. And I appreciate what uh, Brother Duplantis said last night. He said, when you get behind this desk, it's a holy place. And that's really how God is, has always, you know, um, had me look at it. Like, you know, you're here and you're ministering to, to people and you wouldn't be ministering if in some degree they didn't trust you. And so you don't violate that trust. Amen. And so, um, I want to share a testimony before we get going this morning. I was so thrilled. You know, I always have believed, you know, and what is it? Hebrews eleven six. 6. Uh, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that come to him must believe that he is. And I like the next part. And. It's impossible to please him without faith. But you, and you, when you come to him, you have to believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I have found in all of the years of serving God, there are so many different types of rewards you get for diligently seeking him, for obeying him, for endeavoring to walk by faith. There's so many rewards. And last night was a precious reward for me when Brother Duplantis ministered to my uh, Natalie. And it, it was especially exciting because uh, what service was it Sunday night when Pastor Noel asked Pastor Eberly to get up? And when he got up and he began to speak, my little Natalie begin to see some things in the spirit. And if I'm getting, get, you know, remembering it correctly, first of all, she saw our building, but she saw the children's, the new building, because we're believing God for a new building. And she saw a classroom and she, she assumed for it to be children's church. Then she saw our school because there were lockers, you know, in a private school. Christian school in a building that really you should have been out of 10 years ago because you, you know, you don't fit in it anymore. There's no lockers, you know. So Natalie has always been excited about the new place because we're going to have lockers. So she sees lockers and she sees kids playing. And then the next scene is when she sees the, the, she sees a picture of water and it begins to uh, pour out in a bowl. You know, those like bowl and pitcher. Well, she says she sees the water pouring out and as it pours, it can begins to overflow and run everywhere. And then she sees Dr. Dufresne and he says, I knew you'd get here. I knew you'd get here. I always knew you'd get here to this place. <laughs> Woo! I don't know about you. I always knew you'd get here. And she saw that as you began to speak. And then Brother Duplantis talks to her about seeing things. And that's not the only thing that she has seen. But you know, this is what, this is some of the rewards that we get for obeying God and finding the place that he has for us. And then when opposition comes, you don't yield to the temptation of getting out of your place or changing what you believe because of circumstances. You stay steady. Listen, we go through tests and trials. You know, we fall, we get ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and we learn something from that. And then we keep going and we teach others. But these are the types of rewards. What was it the, when Pastor Nancy called up all those from, you know, 20 to 12? And well, before that, she called my grandson Stephen up and began to, to, to minister to him really in his part, you know, what will be in the future of what God has for him. But in the prayer line, she began to minister to Gabriel. Now, for a grandmother, 
for a girl that got saved because she was afraid she had already messed up her kids' life with her sinful life to see the preciousness of both my daughters serving God and my grandchildren in the place where they need to be is a huge reward for me. I don't discount those things. I, I count them as precious. And that's why we do what we do. Because of those things that will change our life. Those, those landmark moments. Amen. And, and, and that was just so, I mean, I'll tell you what, I just was like, I went back and, you know, I'm glad it was on YouTube right away. I went back and I watched it because at first I thought, who is he talking to? Then I hear a little voice say, Natalie. I go, I think that's my Natalie. But that was so precious. So I don't know about you, but I mean, I have been so enriched with every service. It, it, they, they have been really landmark meetings. They are life-changing, amen? And again, it's just, you know, we're having a lot of those meetings that we're going to look back on and say, do you remember that meeting? What a time we are in. But you know, when we step into another season, there's always right at the beginning of the season, there's always things that the enemy will try to do and we should be uh, aware of. Not afraid of, but aware and so, you know, last night when Pastor Nancy asked me to minister, you know, I went uh, uh, upstairs to the room and I just began to, you know, like Dr. Frain says, he said, you know, just, you know, open up your heart and, you know, just begin to, you know, uh, dip down. Thank you. That's the word. <laughs> I was going to say pull up. No, that's the magician's thing. <laughs> dip down. And this is what I heard. Because of your unbelief. Oh, no, it's going to be good. It's not going to be bad. <laughs> go, to, go to Matthew 17. It's going to be good because I'm going to talk about me, not you. <laughs> Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. To flow in miracle signs and wonders, we're going to have to deal with the unbelief. If there's any unbelief, we got to deal with it. Now, you know, that's not a bad thing. What, what's bad is that you think that there's not any unbelief in you. <laughs> to be unaware that there's unbelief. Now, we all want to confess that we don't have unbelief. But if we really believe the scriptures like we say we do, we'd be getting the results of the word in a greater manifestation. And I think it was a wake-up call to all of us in 2020 how much unbelief there was where healing was concerned. Because it almost seemed as if the church was as divided as the world. And that should not be. I mean, I heard people say, well, you know that, I mean, it is serious. It is real and it is serious. And I thought, well, I don't know. But when I got saved and I got saved in 1982, listening to Brother Copeland, and they used to tell us not to think that cancer, you know, took so much more power to, to cure than the cold. Don't look at it as being so big and it needs so much power. Just believe that you're healed. Don't get into fear. And I'm surprised that we forgot that by 2020. Well, you know it is real. Well, you know it is serious. Well, cancer was serious and heart attacks were serious and real. It is real. I can't believe that, you know, some people are saying it's not real. Well, I mean, we've always, we've always not spoken the circumstances. We, I, I mean, that's, that's what they taught us. You know, I, you know, Dr. Frain, how used to say, you know, y'all need to go home and blow up your faith signs on your church. Remember when he said that? The chicken dinner? I'll pay for this chicken dinner. Y'all, none of y'all have faith. Remember he said they all went to, you know, one chicken dinner. And then there was another time that they went to a funeral of somebody, you know, and they were all going, oh, oh. And he's like going, wait a minute, where's your faith? 
Where's your faith? Just because something happens to someone, where's your faith? What, what people believe for, you better leave it between them and God. And listen, don't judge people. Dr. Frank always just tells us, don't, don't judge somebody because you're going to end up going through the same test and trial that they went through. So don't judge anybody. Just leave everything in the hands of God and keep your mind and all the thoughts. And sometimes that's a process. So I'm not going, oh God, don't let me think that. Don't let me think that. Don't let me think that. You know, have you ever, you know, heard of a situation and go, whoa, and they go, oh, don't, don't let me think that. Because <laughs> I don't want to go through that. I, rem- I, I can hear Dr. Frayn's voice say, you know, don't judge somebody. You'll be going through the same thing. See how well you go through it. Several years ago, God began to speak to me about the verses, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. And, I, you know, it seems to me like it was almost yesterday, but I think now it's been a couple years, maybe even three years. I mean, I, 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 when I think about it, it seems like, oh, a couple months ago God talked to me about it, but it's already been three years that he began to tell me, you know, you have a heart to give and you're generous, but you have a problem receiving. Is what he said. So he says, you need to work on that. And what, what, why would I have a problem receiving? Because of doubt and unbelief. Somewhere you don't believe it. Amen. I know I'm talking to the right crowd. Anyway, let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, we'll start in verse 6. And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Translation. He said, remember this. And I always tell people, when the Bible says remember, you better take a note of that. Because that's the place where most people forget. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he's made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and I like this, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Verse 8, and God is able. And this is where God said, you lack in this area, in believing this. You You have a problem receiving. And if I have a problem receiving, it's because I have a problem believing. And God is able. To make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstance and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. And then let's just drop down to verse 11. Thus, you will be enriched in all things and in every way. So that you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. And, and, and eight, really at, through eight and 11 is what God said. You don't believe this as much as you think you do. Because you have a problem receiving. And when God tells you something, you understand that he's, he's spotlighting something because he wants to take you further. God, God doesn't tell you something because he wants you to be down on yourself. He, he tells you something because it's going to hinder you in what he has for you to accomplish. And so, of course, when God highlights something, we know it's the truth. So what do you do? You take that verse and you begin to meditate on it. If this is where I'm lacking, then first of all, I better get that in my heart. So we begin to say this, you know, every, this only uh, scripture we take up an offering with most of the time, I would say 99.9% of the time, because I want the congregation to know it takes this type of, uh, of, of um, effort. I don't want to make it sound hard, but this type of consistency in looking in the word over and over and over. The word doesn't get in you and produce because you looked at it one time or five times or 10 times. You have to look at it over and over and over. And then you kind of got to dissect it and you got to see yourself in it. And then you got to just take it apart and just say, how does this work? And 
let the Holy Spirit highlight almost every word. That's how the word gets in you. So to teach my congregation that, I teach them by example. So when God's trying to get a truth in me in a greater way, then we work on that truth together. And I let them know, don't get tired of these verses. Make them come alive every time you look at them, every time you speak them out of your mouth. Because when they get big on the inside and they take hold, it's going to change some things around you. Because you got to stop getting it in your head, keeping it in your head. It's got to get down to your heart. And I use this example all the time because I appreciate it so much. One of the years that Brother Copeland came, he talked about a testimony where he was, you know, uh, having some symptoms and that didn't seem to leave, you know, as fast as they normally do. And then he went to talk to God and God told him, he said, son, the memory of a potato never nourished anyone. And I, you remember that testimony because he said here, and, and God told him, you need to look at the word, son. Don't just say it out of memory. Look at it. Why? Because there's something about looking at it and reading it. You know, my word is spirit and it is life. It's supernatural. And so, you know, yeah, we got to look at the word. So, you know, we've been doing this. And of course, you know, this is where, you know, God is saying, you know, if you're going to purchase land or get land by divine ability, Pastor Nancy came and gave us a word, I think it was 2015, where she, she commanded, land, you come to them by divine ability. And then she began to call these others. Well, we put that, we laminated that, we gave that to every member congregation, and so we rehearsed that. You know, Father, we say that we, ha we have land by divine ability, you know. The, you know, so if it's by divine ability, that's not going to be by your human ability. If it's coming by divine ability, then you better understand it's not coming by your human ability. So it's not going to come by, you know, necessarily the conventional way that you would think it would come. And you have to be open to however God wants to do it. But you have to believe that it can come by divine ability. You have to believe. You have to believe. That's why when uh, I, Dr. Winston was here and he said, God's going to tell you to, you know, buy land that you can't afford. And I just go, yes, he did that already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, as you're going down the journey of, you know, of fulfilling what God has called you to fulfill, you realize that there's all these things now that have to be dealt with, with you. When you're moving down that road to see the manifestation, because there, there's no lack in God's power, and there's no lack in his desire. The problem is, moi. So, you know, I, you know I'm thinking about this, you know, and I'm going, oh, okay, you know, I, I get it. I have a problem receiving. But then the Holy Spirit starts, like, unfolding and showing me how that thing is really rooted in there and didn't even notice it. So we, we, you know, we've been in a process of going to find a piece of property. We found a piece of property. Different ones have come. And you know, when God, he, I, I love how gracious he is. That when he tells you to do something, you know, God knows where your faith level is at. But he brings all this help around you to encourage you on in that right direction and to help you get to the place where you are believing to receive all that he has for you. And that's why I love our company. In the process of this, Dr. Jacobs comes, I can't remember if it was 14, 15, 16, whatever. But anyway, after we're, we've gone and we've looked at some pieces of property. And so we were showing him one that, you know, we were moving after. And, he, you know, he himself had given us the, the word of the Lord, you know, that, uh, you know, really it was time to seriously look at moving forward in what God had, had, had been speaking to us for, you know, years. Even Dr. Dufresne was the first one. You know, he would tell us, he said, I don't know where you put everybody. You put them probably in Tupperware containers, stack them up on top of each other. He'd always used to tell us, you know, when a building is, uh, what is it, 75% uh, full, you're full, you need to get out of here. And my husband did admit, he said, doctor, he goes, I've just gotten comfortable here. He said, well, I know that. But you better go because God's got something else. Doctor is very blunt, and this is the way we like it. You know, just tell it like it is. And I, I mean, I I always think, you know, listen. If you knew I should have done something, you didn't tell me. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah. I re 
realize I should have been listening myself, but give me a break, you know. <laughs> Help a guy out. <laughs> That's just the way I think, you know. And if this is very detrimental, please tell me. Anyway, I'm not expecting you to control my life, okay? Let me just put that disclaimer there. Anyway, so Dr. Jacobs comes. We're showing him this piece of property. It's not the piece of property that we are really looking at, but it was one of them that we thought was a good location. And he was so excited that we're starting to move forward. We're starting to look. And, you know, God tells him, he said, uh, he got, God just spoke to me. He said, I'm going to give you $5,000 for your new project, you know. And I'm, I'm in the back seat, you know, the two men in the front seat driving, and I'm going, oh, my God. He's giving us $5,000. I mean, I mean, I, you know, of course, I go, oh, thank you. That, but inside, I'm like going, he's giving us $5,000. You know what that hesitation is? It's unbelief. It's a difficulty in receiving. It's easy to be a blessing. But to receive a blessing just feels like it's got all kinds of responsibilities with it. And, 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 and maybe I won't handle it right. I don't know. Like, so in the process of time, he comes back another time. <laughs> he says, God told me to give you another 5,000 point. What? I mean, and and I'm, I'm choking. Now, he was not the only one that gave us money. We had others gave us 10,000. We've had others. Brother uh, Roberts, when he first came, the first time he came, he, he took up an offering for our land and our building. I mean, it was like, you know, I think like $23,000 of most that we'd ever gotten in one offering. You know, it's like, and you're like going, I'm looking at him go, he just took up an offering for a billion. I mean, I'm like getting scared here now. All this money is starting to come. That's the wrong response. And I'm like going, God, you know, and, and why does God have to talk to other people to do something to help me believe. Because you understand that when people obey God, they believe in what God has. They believe in it. They believe in it. Why do other people believe more in what God's called me to do than I do? I mean, I'm just putting myself out here. I'm just honest. I mean, you know, when God, something's wrong here. But, you know, I didn't catch it. Well, all of that. I didn't catch it. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've been able to get an architect, and he's doing, you know, like blueprints and all that. So all this money is, you know, is going for, you know, things that need to go for the building. And, you know, we went to secure land and we had chunks of money every time we wanted to secure it. And the man is still waiting for us to get financing and, you know, and all that. So, but it's not really about the money. It's about our believing. It's about our believing. We've got to get the unbelief out. Now, I am so thankful for a merciful God that loves me enough to work with me so that I can do what he has called me to do. But I have realized along this road, this journey that we're on, I didn't realize how much unbelief that I really had in me. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a certain measure of, of faith that I'm walking in. Or, or we wouldn't be producing what we're producing. You know, we're not like failing. We're not flunking out. <laughs> we're not in the core class. I don't know if you remember core class. It was all the thugs that didn't want to open up their books. In high school, that's what they called it, you know. The flunkies, you went to core class, you know. And they just took all the bad children that were, you know, they put them in one room and they just threw their pencil and spit wads and that's all you did. So it's not we're not in that core class. But he's got something else now. And now, unbelief, more unbelief has to be taken out so that we can embrace 
you know, maybe you don't think you have any unbelief at all. But when you begin to embrace the next thing, or why do we recoil at some of the things that God, you know, asks us to do? Now, I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm talking about how about looking at ourselves instead of looking at God's ability. You know, as pastors, we deal with this with a lot with our congregation. We see a gift in them and we want them to be useful for the kingdom. So we draw them close. And then what happens is the enemy tries to get them to look internally. And then it stops them from really allowing the flow of God to come out and to be a blessing because they just keep looking at themselves. And that is the enemy. And you know, sometimes we can see it on everybody else. But we can't see it in ourselves until we get to some place, to a certain place. And so he has been dealing with me. Now, I, let me just tell you, I've, I've, been, having, I've been getting better. It's, gonna get, it's still going to get good. It's not going to be bad. I'm not going to leave you bad. But we have to be careful that we, because we make these right confessions, that we don't acknowledge that there are some areas that I have to work on to get unbelief out. I appreciated last night, uh, Brother, Brother Duplantis, how free he was at talking about everything God has done for him that is good. And sometimes, folks, we hide blessings. We don't testify. However we scramble it up in our mind, there's some kind of unbelief there or we would boldly declare what God has done. I mean, that's why, listen, I, I, I love the numbers that he throws out. I love them. Why? Because he has the reality that God did this. So he doesn't care if you criticize him because God did it. But how many times do people give a testimony and then, you know, you kind of leave things out? Do we believe it's God or not? Why hide it? No matter how much it is, why hide it? Amen. So we're talking about getting the unbelief out. You're not going to get it out if at first you don't acknowledge that it's there. And you have to notice how do you react, react in certain things. Now I can say this because this is a common knowledge in our church. My husband has testified it. He's taught about it in the Bible college. He's preached it here. So this isn't something that I'm divulging some secret. But when it was time for him to take the church and be the senior pastor, he didn't want to do it. Why? Because he was rebellious against God? No. Because of unbelief. He didn't believe that he could do it. And so he just said, no, I don't want to do it. He said, you're the preacher, you preach. I said, but he left you to be the pastor. I don't care, you preach. And so I was preaching every service until he got in contact with Dr. Dufresne. And then that anointing on Dr. Dufresne began to help him unveil the anointing that was already in him. But why did he draw back from it? Unbelief. Because he wasn't rebellious. He loved God. But he just thought, I, 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 not me. I can't, I can't do this. That, that's not me. But God said, it is you. And God had to deal with him supernaturally. And then finally, and when the man got up and said, I'm the pastor of this church. Whew, I mean, there was just a shift in the anointing, the dynamics. I mean, that service we all remember. Because we remember like, yeah, we've been knowing it. But thank God now. And... And I mean, there was just such a strong anointing. Why? Because he finally decided to believe what God said. Enough that he declared, I'm the pastor of this church. And I love the first service that he said that. He was classic. People think I'm hard. Oh, listen, you have never been around my husband. I'm the pastor of this church. And he said, so-and-so, you said that you were going to bring $2,000 to the church. What happened? So-and-so, you said you were going to buy a new faucet for the kids for school. Where is it? 
you wanted a pastor. <laughs> Maybe you got him now. But it was like, oh my God. I mean, he just, he just, he just set his authority that first service when he said, I'm the pastor of the church. What did he do? He decided to believe. And that anointing came. It was electric in there. We certainly love services where you have to duck. Our church, when you got a duck, they love that. Like, oh man, incoming. Who's going to get it next? That's just us, anyway. I mean, you know, we're in California. You know how that goes. California, you got to be ready for anything. So, but that really tried to torment him and it was all unbelief. He didn't believe. Believing really is an act of our will. We have to decide to believe this word enough to put effort to get in it and grab hold of it and cause it to produce. We have to believe it. When God tells us to do something, we have to embrace it and we have to, we have to believe that this is the will of God. And if we don't do that, then we're not going to be able to receive all that he has for us in this season. If we don't get that little bit of unbelief out, how do I know? It's how do I um, react to certain things? That'll tell me. See, these things when, when people were doing just these wonderful things, my heart was so touched, but my flesh was uncomfortable. You know, what is that? That's just unbelief. It's unbelief. You just can't, you can't cut that pie any other way. Because really it was like, oh my God, these are large amounts of money. This is a responsibility. You got to get this thing done. Can you do it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wasn't actually processing it in my mind like that. But my reaction was speaking. Inside, my reaction was speaking something. You know, here the, the Brother Panis tells us, you know, everywhere he goes, you know, money just comes to him. So he's not embarrassed when, you know, to even tell us that somebody came and said, hey, here, this is for you. He's not embarrassed to say that. Why? Because he believes. And what he believes happens. <laughs> what we believe happens. And what we believe we're bold about. And because we believe it and because we're bold, it happens. And we have to get past these barriers that really are unbelief. Amen. And so I, I, I thank God that he has helped me to recognize that there's, there, there, were, there were areas that I really had to work on so that I could become bolder in believing what he has for us for the next step. And we always knew that it would be about our believing. Because when you believe, you expect. When you believe, you expect. So when people were doing things, I wasn't expecting it. And it was a little uncomfortable. So ultimately, I'm not believing. I mean, you have to ask yourself, what am I uncomfortable in? What area am I uncomfortable? Or I don't have the right, you know, response. Amen. And sometimes when, you know, you think, well, I thought God was going to do it that one way. Well, then that's just still unbelief. Because when you believe, you believe that God can move however he wants. Amen. I, I, I believe that I'm helping some people. Because until we recognize that there's just some areas where we hesitate, whether we want to call it wisdom, responsibility, there's some flowery words that the enemy will give you that will cause you to draw back and to hesitate. And it's really just unbelief. And, and, and we just have to, and we just have to work on that. I'm not saying, you know, own unbelief. I'm just saying own up to the fact that I got to get that out. I got to get unbelief out. I got to stop hesitating. I got to stop, you know, uh, um, 
thinking even that it's so far off. How about when you're going through something and you're just thinking, you know, yeah, we're believing, you know, but it's probably 10 years down the road, 15 years, so I'm still safe. It's still comfortable because it's 10 years down the road. When, baby, it's right on you. I mean, God has done so many miracles for us. It's like, you know, I don't want to be like the children of Israel and go, are you sure this is the right route? And he go, how many miracles, girl, do I got to do for you? I do not want to be that group of people. What is it? Psalms. Uh, Uh, what is it? Psalm seventy-eight forty-one, or is it forty-one seventy-eight? Let me see. Seventy-eight forty-one. And time, and again, this is the Amplified. Let me read this on the in the King James translation. I do not want to be. Yea, and they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. What was this? They limit him because of unbelief. They limited him because of unbelief. I don't want to limit God in what he's going to do because of my unbelief. And when I see it take another form or shape, I know I still got to deal with it. And how do I deal with it? I deal with it by meditating in the word and putting the truth in front of me until I don't believe the lie anymore. I deal with it by confessing boldly what I don't see until I see it. We, we know what to do. The thing of it is, we've got to do it. We got to call things that be not as though they are. That's one way. That's what the Bible says. And Joshua 1.8, Pastor Nancy gave us this verse several years ago. As a church, she said, for you to take hold, this is what you need to do. Joshua 1.8, do not let this word depart. Right? Well, let's just go there. Amen. These are the things that we cannot take for granted. I don't care how long we've done them. I don't care how long. This is supposed to have been our way of life. <laughs> if we're not producing what God says should be produced, then somewhere we got to realize that the enemy doesn't have that much power to stop what God wants to do. So if he doesn't have that power, the problem is with us. Dr. Frank used to tell us all the time, God has a part. I mean, man has a part, God has a part. You do your part, God will do his part. You do your part, God will do his part. If God's not doing his part, then somewhere we're not doing our part. Amen. And listen, you may be at a certain level where you are exercising your faith, but what about the next thing that God has? If, if, if unbelief tries to creep in there, you're going to have to recognize it and deal with it. Because until we were moving after land and to build a building, I would not have thought that I had this much unbelief in me. Because we were producing in our church. You get, we were producing. For the level where we were at, we were producing. We, we've come through some difficult things and have seen God's manifestation. We had a building sell for way over price in the middle of that housing recession. We had a flat miracle. A building that my husband purchased for, I think it was 388, sold for really, when we got done with the whole deal, we got over 2 million for it. In the middle of a recession. So there was a measure of faith that we're operating in. But then when he takes us on to something that's so much bigger, you got to got to make sure you get that unbelief out. Sometimes it doesn't show up until you hit the right. Yeah, when, when there's just something greater there, then you were like, ooh, I got some unbelief here. Because it depends on how you react to something. Will determine if you are believing or not. Amen. 
Not proud of not having full faith. Not proud of my doubt and unbelief, but I want to help people. And, and the best way that I can help people is that I can show them what, how God dealt with me. And hopefully they can take it to heart and begin to deal with unbelief. Because when you shrink back from the blessings of God, or you go, oh no, that's too much. Don't do that for me. I don't need all that. I love what Brother Defiant said last night. What are you going to do when you get to heaven? You won't be comfortable in heaven. There's so much more he has for us and wants for us. And we're, and we're, not, we're not even scratching the surface of what he has ordained for us. And I'm talking about approaching it soberly. I'm not talking about just, you know, how some people do. And they, they want to pretend that they are receivers, but really, you know, they're debtors, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Meditate therein day and night. Meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do. If I don't meditate in the word, then I'm not going to have the ability to do. I got to keep that word in front of me so that I can do it. I got to keep that word in front of me so I can do it. I got to keep it in front of me so I can do it. I tried to tell my congregation, many of them, when this whole thing hit, keep that word in front of you. Keep that word in front of you. Keep healing in front of you so you will believe health and not sickness and disease. Keep it in front of you. And I said, listen, when, it, when you get symptoms, it doesn't mean it's a lack of faith. You just, you just take authority. Don't just lay down and, and, and muddle through it. Take authority. Be using your authority. Watch those symptoms disappear as you use your authority and you believe God. It's your approach to it that says you believe or not. Amen. But you won't have the right approach if you don't keep that truth in front of you. And more than ever before, God's been telling me, keep that truth in front of you. Keep that truth in front of you. He, he uh, spoke to me in the passage where, you know, uh, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you know, you know, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I'm paraphrasing it. And he said, upon this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. God said, listen, hell can't stand up against revelation knowledge, what you know, what's real to you. So get it in you and make it real and nothing can stand against it. Nothing can stop it. And what he was saying is make this plan that I have for you real. Get it on the inside of you and you, you make it so real that nothing, will, nothing will, 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 will shake you. No, no, no delay, no halt, no, nothing will sphere you. From what you know to be true, that I have ordained this for you. He said, that's what is not going to, to, to be able to say, what you know. He kept telling me, it's what you know. The, the devil can only play with you in the area that you don't know. So know what you know. And if you don't know, then know. If you don't know, then get busy in knowing. But he can't play with your mind. When lack tries to come, he was not going to make me believe that lack is in my future. I stand against it. Why? Because I know. When symptoms comes on my body, he's not going to tell me it's going to be this way for the rest of my life. Why? Because I know. Know what you know. And when you know what you know, then there's no fear. Even when you got to go through something, there's no fear. Amen. To do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. When you keep that truth on the inside of you, keep it in front of you. That is how you get rid of the doubt. But if we're not producing what we need to be producing, then we have to say it's got to be on our part and we've got to take time to get that truth on the inside of us. 
you know, when Jesus came and, and, and they, they, they dishonored him and they said no prophet is without honor except in his own hometown and he marveled. You know, yes, there was no honor, but that honor, he equated it to unbelief. He could do no mighty works there without, because of the unbelief. If unbelief stopped Jesus, how's it going to hinder us in moving forward? It will. It will. And we got to deal with it. And how do I know I have it? it? It's your approach. Now, we have been working on this. God told us, I can't remember one year, every time that we come here for a meeting, Holy Ghost or camp meeting, if there's a direction God has for me, he always speaks it to me. And one year God told me, he said, there's three things I want you to get the congregation to use their faith on to take care of. And the third thing he said to me was pay off the building. And so we did one, we did two, had miracles. And then the third one was pay off the building. And so, you know, we have been, you know, paying off the building. And I always tell the congregation, you know, <laughs> there are people that do things so much different than I do. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but sometimes, you know, it can kind of like, you know, people, oh, are you paying off your building? Yeah. Well, what are you putting away for it? Well, we're just believing God every week to You know, it's not like, you know, you're not, you're not being diligent. But you're just telling the people to believe every week, you know. This is, I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes we don't do things by conventional means, you know. So God said to us, you know, pay off the building. So about, uh, I think somebody told me it was like October 14th, a couple of months ago. God began to talk to me because we only had like about $123,000. Uh, well, we, I think we had a little bit more than that, maybe one hundred and fifty. And God said to, to me, he said, I want you to tell the people that if a hundred people were to believe me in a span of three months for a little over a hundred dollars a week, that would be the amount that we needed. And I think it was like 150 because it would be about 1500 per person. And all you have to do is believe for like 125 a week or you know how that goes. And so when I said that to the people, then other people, it made it doable for them. And so, I mean, I had this one girl, she, she's a hairdresser, she's single. And she said, you know, when you said that, I thought, well, I can believe for $100 or a little over $100. I'm going to get in on this. And she said, Lord, how do I do it? And he said, believe me for your tips. So she says, you know, the minute I did that, she goes, people started giving me more tips. I mean, and she was like, when she finally told me, she was already like to about $600, you know, and if you're believing for 15, it's like, you know. So more people got in on feeling like I can be a part of paying off the building, which was, I was so glad because I don't know if you remember uh, pastor, you came to our church in June and you said that it's on your pastor's heart to pay off this building. And it's really, some of your houses are connected to this, you know, yes, you remember. No, you don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's okay. He had talked to us privately and then he talked, and then he spoke to the congregation. And then he said, just by, by, by word of knowledge, you know, he didn't really know anything. He said, there are some of you in here that, that flip houses. And he said, you're going to be able to do more if you get involved and you're a part of paying off this building. This is the third thing that God told us to do. And God said to me, I need you to get the congregation to use their faith on these things because their faith needs that for the next thing ahead for acquiring land and building a building. They need to see their faith, you know, uh, uh, produce. And so, you know, we were knocking everything out. And then the third one, and, and so then people were, the word of the Lord was, there are things in your future that are connected to you being a part. And so when they look at a figure like that, most of them thought, well, I don't know how much I could do towards that. But when God told me to say this to them, you know, and I didn't say you have to, and I didn't call up, you know, take an envelope, take a pledge. I just told them what God said to me. So I said, you know, I started doing that. And people that never give me money. I have a certain people that, that so into to myself and my husband all the time. They always give us Pentecostal handshake if we go someplace. But these are just people that never, all of a sudden, they were walking up and giving me $100. Well, I know what that $100 is for. They've never given me $100 before. 
that's for my, my $15, $100, you know. So I'm testifying to the people, it's starting to happen. So more people are getting involved because God said when the building was paid off, then the miracles would begin. And he did say this to us, they need to hurry. Like that window of opportunity is not going to be open forever. So this is October. So October, November, people are getting involved. And then here comes December. Oh my God. We have this service, December. We're not going to forget that date, huh? December 14th. And World Harvest Church, you were the ones that finished that thing off. They gave us the $123,000 that was left on our building. Our building is paid off. Our building is paid off. I'm telling you that it was like, oh my God. And I know I'm not telling anybody any new information. I just wanted to personally say thank you myself. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Pastor Nancy, it's the last service she calls my husband and I have. Here's this check. And I'm looking at it, you know. And then I'm thinking, you know, should I say the amount? Yes. And I'm like going, okay, you better read this. <laughs> because you don't want it to say, you don't want to say it's one thing and it's another, you know. <laughs> but this was the last thing that God had instructed us to do. But I thought it was very Interesting that God made a way for more people to get involved before that opportunity of giving was gone. And that's what people need to understand. When there's an opportunity to give towards something, it's an open door of opportunity, but that door won't be open forever. At some point, there, that need will be met and you will have missed your opportunity to get in on that blessing because he said, then the miracles will start. We couldn't have progressed to this point without working at getting that unbelief out. You, get, you have to get that unbelief out so God can do what he wants to do. If we don't work on that, because that's the first thing he told me, you, you, you don't know how to receive. And the root of that is unbelief. Well, I'm going to be a better receiver because I'm getting that unbelief. Because if I'm believing God, I can't tell him how to do it. And guess what? He uses people. He uses us in the body. So all these emotions of, oh, no. It's unbelief. We want to think it's humility. But it's unbelief. And that's why I like getting around bold people that say, I just walk down the street and money starts coming to me. They are not ashamed of what God is doing. Folks, God's offering us so much in this season. Let's not let unbelief rob us of what he has for us. Amen? Amen. I hope somebody got something out of that. I just wanted to share that this morning. Amen? Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.